three, two, one. Carson, I'd like to take you into a hypothetical situation, if I may. I think you are allowed. Let's imagine that something terrible has happened to you. I I can do that. That happens a lot. (laughs) And it just puts you into a terrible emotional state. Okay, I can do that. Just not healthy in any way. Okay. Let us also then imagine that in this state, you have been put in a position of absolute control over an empire. Ooh, okay, okay. What do you think you'd do? Oh, gosh, I... Oh, I'd do something terrible. I'd do something really <laughs> terrible. Take me through it. Give me give me an idea. Let's say you're surrounded by uh, nations that you kind of think should be under your control. What would you do? Um, you know, I'd probably try and try and invade them and take all their stuff, first yeah? of all. Yeah, and I'd probably, I don't know, talk about how they were inferior to me and give them extra, extra high taxes. Yeah, well... I've got a historical figure that you might get along with then. Really? Who? It's too bad he's, it's too bad he's dead. My name is Eric McAdams, and each week I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Today my guest is my lovely friend Carson. Say hi, Carson. Hi, everybody. Carson, you have listened to one episode so far, so you know kind of what you're getting into, correct? Yes. I've listened to one episode, and it was the um, incest one. Awesome. That actually sets this one up very well. How are, how are you feeling? Just in general. How you doing? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um I'm a little I'm a little sleepy, but you know. I'm I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know. Listeners, you can't see her, but she's making punchy motions. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's an audio everybody. medium, but I guarantee <laughs> it was pretty good. I'll add some sound effects next time I do punchy motions. Pew pew pew. Sounds good. I like that. I'm pumped. See, I, I ask my guests how they're doing because otherwise the audience won't be able to identify with them. Oh, I understand. They need, they need to be able to align with the audience surrogate. This is classic TV writing. Oh. I think it's a podcast. Learn more every day. Uh-huh. A little peek behind the curtain there. Yeah, I feel like I have all your listeners sitting with me. You want to dive in? Let's dive in. I'm ready. All right. Time to tell a story. Pew, pew, pew. My cat is meowing at the door. Oh, no. Don't let her in. This is more important than she is. Um, it, it is more important than she is. She's not technically <laughs> my cat. Oh, well. Yeah. I'm looking after her for nine months. Oh, okay. While someone's pregnant. Yes, precisely. Because you mm. cannot be pregnant and have a cat, otherwise you die. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, the cat no. kills you. <laughs> They sense pregnant people, and they're like, oh boy. Yeah. No, um, my friend's in Asia. She gets to travel the world, and you get a cat. Yeah, I just wish her cat was nicer. A win on all sides. All right, 
Vienna, Austria, 1741. Ooh, fancy. A man named Joseph Benedict Anton Michael Adam is born. He is born to the Habsburg Lorraine family. Oh my god. Yes, the Habsburgs. I'm so here for this. <laughs> he is the son of Maria Theresa, the ho- the Empress of the Holy Roman Empire. Ah, yes. <laughs> All kinds of connections. Oh, so to many connections. Episodes. Listeners who have, re- have listened to episode eight, incest laid plans. <laughs> will recognize Maria Teresa as the subject of that one's uh, Pickle for the Knowing Ones. Oh, which heck yeah. we'll get more into later. Am I allowed to curse? Absolutely. Oh, shit, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, you know, let's do this. I'm ready now. Listeners, I just saw Carson visibly relax. <laughs> it's true. This kind of just, like, wave of warmth came over me. Not mm-hmm. like I peed my pants, but like yeah. but I better. basically did. Better. Better than yeah. peeing your pants. Even better. <laughs> so Joseph is lo- is comes to be known as Joseph the Second because pretty much from the instant he's born, he is groomed to be the next emperor. He grows up in the Enlightenment, so he's raised under those ideals, meaning truth and logic and reason and lots of Voltaire. Mm. The Enlightenment is so they're such earth signs. Like, <laughs> you know... I don't know what that means, Carson. I'm not it a... means they're all, like... Oh, <laughs> like, left-brainy. Like, ooh, <laughs> let's be bio-majors. Like, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's that's what I mean by the Enlightenment. It's so... <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm left-brained, and I didn't become a bio-major. That's fair. I mean, my... My significant other I don't know if I'm an earth nature. sign, though. I don't know what the signs are. What is your zodiac sign? I believe I'm a Capricorn. Oh! You're an earth sign. Oh, there you go. See, left brain. That's how it works. Depends on what month you're born. That's what'll determine your It's story. true. It's true. I don't like astrology very much. That's okay. I'm just heartbroken. That I don't like astrology? Yes. Or that I'm a Capricorn. No, I love Capricorns, actually. I very, oh. I love Earth signs. My brother is a Capricorn and my best friend is a Capricorn. Okay, cool. Yeah, so good job being born in early January and late December. Thanks, parents, for conceiving me nine months previous. Woo! I love that I know your parents, and so that's just even more uncomfortable. Yep, you can put uh, names and faces to that. Oh, that little joke. Oh, Lord. Okay. Let's tell me more about this. Joseph grows up in the shadow of two people. The first is his mother's Maria Teresa, because she was kind of a boss empress. Maria Teresa, despite being the product of generations of incest, was, in fact, an excellent empress and did a lot to establish the Holy Roman Empire and specifically Austria as a power in Europe by partially uh, reorganizing the entire administration. God, what a bad bitch. Yeah, she was pretty cool. The other shadow that he grows up in is known as Frederick the Great of Prussia. That guy? (laughs) They had this kid? They had this one with the million names? Huh? Oh, no, 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 no. He's not his father. Oh. 
Celebrity parents, I was about to say, they just... However, Frederick the Great is the one that Joseph models his empire, his empiring strategy on. Okay, okay. Because uh, Frederick, the, Frederick the Great was born 20 or 30 years before Joseph was, so he was already a pretty established cool guy by the time Joseph was trying to become hot shit. I see, I see. So she's like, he's like... Gwen Stefani to me. Sure? Yeah, let's yeah. go with that. Cool. Is Gwen okay. Stefani the person you're modeling your life on? Not my life, but she was my first role model. Oh. Okay. Which is kind of sad. The first one. The first one was Gwen Stefani. Nobody previous. <laughs> no one before that. I mean, Up I... until the, when, the, when you finally heard about Gwen Stefani, you were like, finally, a cool person. <laughs> Hadn't yep. seen one up until now. I was seventeen. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like five. I was young. Saw Gwen Stefani. It was like, yes, that. That's the one with the platinum blonde hair and the lipstick. So Frederick the Great uh, is called Frederick the Great because he was pretty good at everything. Uh, he's known for building up Prussia's reputation, similar to how Maria Theresa did. Made it a power through uh, unlikely military victories, which he tended to take part in, like, on the front. Not only that, he was also really good at diplomacy. He had a good spy network. He was friendly with a lot of different European nations, but was also really good at manipulating them into doing what he wanted them to do. He was, he was, he was pretty good at what he did. But was he cute? Uh, uh, man, I don't know your standards for European rulers. You've got to look this stuff up first, my dear. I mean, I know like, what he you looks you gotta like. you got to know if they're cute before you start telling me about them. You're welcome to look up pictures of him. I can wait. Okay, can I look up pictures of him? Yeah, Frederick the Great of Prussia. Frederick You're probably going to get mostly portraits of him when he was already old. Ah. Well. I don't know. What, so I don't, I don't actually know what he looked like when he was younger. I think he was kind of a little guy. A little guy? I'm yeah. a little guy. Um, image. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he has very um innocent-looking eyes. They're very round and blue. It's kind of jowly. I don't think he had any kids, and I think that also fuels some speculation that he might have been gay. Nice, my dude. I'm not. I do. I. Mm, that's not something I mean, I've researched too heavily, so I can't say. You know, you never know. He could just <laughs> I mean, have very fast reflexes. I feel like nowadays, anytime any male, like, important person, like, didn't have kids or, like, didn't marry, they go like, well, the only explanation possible is that he was gay. Yeah. It's not, it's not possible that, like, he tried his luck with women and they didn't like him or <laughs> he wasn't interested in the first place in anybody. That's yeah. the only explanation, guys. That's true. Like, yeah, I agree. Like, there are rumors that, like, Friedrich Nietzsche was gay, and, like, anyone who was gay would never have worn that mustache. Well, Nietzsche was just a nut. <laughs> like, towards the Nietzsche. end, when he was, he was syphilitic. When he had actually had a, yeah, he had, like, an actual mental breakdown. Yeah, and he his book, um, Eke Homo, has a freaking chapter entitled, Why I Write Such Excellent Books. Oh, yeah, yeah, he loved himself. Yeah, he was... An interesting person. I talk about him, actually, uh, last episode. Oh my gosh! Whoa, that one was just... about philosophies that influenced Nazis. Oh, fun. Yeah. Nietzsche influenced Nazis? Oh, yeah. Man, I fucking hate Nazis. 
Adolf Hitler uh, specifically was a huge fan of Friedrich Nietzsche, although he didn't read Nietzsche's work unabridged. He never act- he never got to read Nietzsche's whole shit because Nietzsche's sister edited his works and inserted it, inserted a lot of anti-Semitic and pro-Christian stuff. What? And that's part of that's part of why Nazis like him so much. Well, what was why was she doing that? Why did she? She was because okay. Th- you need to listen to the episode. Okay, I'll listen to the episode. Sorry, I'll listen to the episode. <laughs> he Wait. comes up. God, what a little jerk. Yeah, no, she's she's a piece of work. Hitler liked her so much that he went to her funeral. Aw, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, man, my podcast is really good at making people say things. They kind of go like, whoa. <laughs> wow, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Ooh, pump the brakes, kid. Just so everyone knows, I would happily piss on Hitler's grave. Yeah, so uh, I'm yeah. not. Good, all right. You're a friend a of the podcast, then. You're friend a friend of the, of the podcast. Cast network. So initially, Frederick the Great and Joseph are actually pretty friendly with one another when uh, Joseph is young. But very early on while frederick was like yeah he seems like a nice kid joseph was going like this man is my rival this oh. is the one that i have to be better than as a ruler oh, no. joseph wanted to be like the number one ruler of the enlightenment oh no i can't wait to see what happens tell me more joseph gets married in 1760 Good he's for him. 19 and he marries a he marries princess isabella of parma it's an arranged marriage, but by all accounts, they're pretty happy with one another. They do fall in love, although by some accounts, uh, he liked her a bit more than she liked him. I mean, that's always how it happens. Also, yeah, is pa- Parma is in Italy, yes? I'm just wondering, because all these old-timey names, it all jumbles together in one big Europe, and I'm trying to yeah, place it's, it. It's not, it's not important. Yeah, it's, it's in Italy. Oh, okay, okay. It's not, it's not important to this story that much. <sighs> okay, I guess. Isabella has some problems with pregnancy. Ooh. Specifically emotional problems. It's likely, you know, looking back on it, that she was depressed and anxious. That's That seems most likely what was going on with her because she was really scared of pregnancy because she was terrified and obsessed with death. <gasps> what a cool chick. And her mother had died in childbirth. Oh. So... That, that makes sense. I mean, I'd yeah. be scared too if I had to shove a human out of me. Uh, yeah. No, I, I get it. Sounds like it'd kill you. She still did it, though. Oh. Uh, she gets pregnant, and after an extremely difficult pregnancy, in 1762, he, uh, Joseph and Isabella have a daughter that he names after his mother, Maria Teresa. Ooh. A Mama's year later, boy. they try again, despite the fact that it was so difficult on her. But this time, Isabella contracts smallpox six months in. This triggers uh, early labor. Her daughter dies in childbirth, and Isabella is so heartbroken and so sick with smallpox that she dies a week later. Oh my god, this is a bummer episode. Yeah, it's, uh, there's some sad stuff in this one. Okay. And we haven't, we're not finished with it. <gasps> I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, <laughs> so this is in 1763. Uh, Joseph is 22 and he's already a widower. He has one daughter and then less than two years later, his father dies and he is crowned emperor 
of the Holy Roman Empire. That would make such a good sitcom. Suddenly, he has to rule the world, and he has a new daughter. What? <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I know. I can see that. Part under under this sudden pressure to be, you know, a ruler. Joseph becomes co-regent with his mother because she's still running shit. And he mostly, like, he technically has the legal authority over her, but she's the smart one and she, like, knows what she's doing, so she handles it. Ain't that always the way. This will come back later in a second, but before that, Joseph remarries because you can't have an emperor without an, without a wife. What are we talking? What are we doing here? Without a this husband. Not- you can't have an emperor without a husband. <laughs> What is this? Not medieval Europe? Exactly. So, he remarries and it's not it's not so good. Who's Who does he uh, marry? Maria Josepha is his second cousin. Uh, and he doesn't like her much. I mean, she's your second cousin. I hope you don't like her much. He, uh, she found him intimidating. Well, less intimidating, but more like he had to deal with important shit that she had no conception of. That I, I get that. He, meanwhile, did not find her attractive and did not like to talk to her. Oh, that's harsh. Yeah, I know this sounded like a pretty good romance thing, like the widower emperor. Yeah, the widower emperor. Yeah. By Danielle Steele. Someone new and she's got to contend with him and his young daughter. Yeah. That kind of thing. That would have been so cute. Didn't didn't go so hot. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're ugly and boring and yeah apparently he and and i think he was also still grieving and so much so that he literally did not interact with her like i think they might have shared a bed and he avoided her like all day for the rest of jeez time yeah did did they stay married well no but not because of a divorce it's because she died too oh when did she die how did she die just two years into their uh, marriage, he dies of smallpox. That's a massive bummer. Maybe he had like a little vial of smallpox and he was slowly killing his wives. Possible. And then just like uh, being sad. Yeah, after this, he does not uh, remarry again. Oh. I think he might not even have gone to her funeral. That's harsh. Yeah, that's Even cool. Hitler went to funerals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big time whoopsies fact. Woo! Hitler went to funerals, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're learning. <laughs> he begins to, after after all this, you know, fun stuff in his personal life, he gets to be in charge of a nation with his mother. That sounds exciting. Um, he co-rules and he travels a lot. He's kind of a traveling diplomat, so he can, so while she runs shit back in the capital, he can make, be friendly with other governments. And actually, his sister, who you may have heard of, her name was Marie Antoinette. <gasps> um... I love her. <laughs> he visited her one time and pretty much predicted the downfall of the French monarchy. He was like, this shit is not going to last. Wait, is he the <laughs> is he the guy who told Louis who had to like explain to Louis how sex worked? I don't know. Yeah, cuz Marie Antoinette's brother had to like go t- because Marie wasn't getting any and had to go to louis and be like so this is how you do it 
Hey guys, so I don't know if you could tell, but Carson's audio gets a tiny bit haunted there and we can't use it for this section, but let me tell you, Carson is absolutely correct. Joseph II did indeed visit his sister Marie Antoinette in France, and by some accounts watched her have sex with her new husband, Louis XVI, and tell them what they were doing wrong. When he saw this demonstration, he wrote home to his brother Leopold, saying that he had never seen such a pair of complete blunderers. I'm not sure exactly why Marie and Louis had no idea what to do, but apparently Joseph had to tell Louis that you do in fact have to ejaculate inside a woman to get her pregnant. There are a lot of different wild theories about why these two couldn't figure it out. Uh, a, a lot of them have to do with the nature of Louis XVI's dick, and most of them probably aren't true, so I'm not going to get into them here. But Carson is totally right. Joseph did have to do this. Let's get back to it. Looks like we're past it, whatever it was. Okay. Cool. Joseph had some, had, Joseph had some theories about government. Let's start there. He had some fucking ideas. Fucking ideas. First of all, he didn't think his mother was tolerant enough. That classic, like, ah, oh, mom, you're kind of intolerant kind of dynamic, because yeah, specifically I mean, with religion, he thought that she was really not good on religious freedom. Well, he the older generations, they're always so strict. <laughs> so starting there, because he, he's, he's so into enlightenment, and the enlightenment tended to advocate an idea that pretty much goes back to Plato, like... There's this whole idea of enlightened absolutism, which is essentially you have one benevolent ruler at the very top who's smart and great, and with, and from him all good things will come from a centralized government. I think I learned that at some point and then promptly forgot it. Yeah, that's fair because it's pretty boring. This idea goes all the way back to Plato because he's the one who went like, the only real good form of government that I can think of is probably a philosopher king, which is... Which should like, be me. Yeah, which should be someone like me who thinks like I do because I'm very smart and also very nice. <laughs> oh, Plato. Uh, it's like, it all depends on like the only, the only good form of government that can really last is that has, that has the least amount of problems is someone benevolent in charge of everyone else. That just... Yeah, it doesn't work out. Yeah, there's not... so many problems with that. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can see that. Yes, me so, too. This is, this is, however, what Joseph and many other enlightened people believed. He also definitely believed in conquering territory. He believed that anything he could do to increase the power and prestige of his own nation was the right thing to do. Which mostly follows, but it also makes him pretty despotic. People kind of talked about how if this guy wanted, he could set the world on fire and he might actually fucking do it. Oh, God. Because he might invade everybody. Yeah. He doesn't really. Don't worry. Okay. Um, his second wife never gave him an heir, and while he's traveling all around, his daughter, Maria Teresa, also gets ill and also dies. No! She, yeah, this is in 1770. She's seven when it happens. That's a lot of sevens. Yeah. Oh. I don't, I don't have any, like, jokes or any or Does she? Does she die this. of smallpox? I think it's pleurisy? I'm not even sure what that is. Man, I was hoping it was going to be smallpox. Yeah, it's not all smallpox. Yeah, sorry. it could have been like a pleurisy. Fun joke. An inflammation of the membranes that surround the lungs and line the chest cavity, says Wikipedia. 
Oh, yes, because the uh, chest cavity and the lungs are, it's the pleural cavity. Makes sense. I know things sometimes. You knew, you knew that word and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, Joseph is just in a real great place right now emotionally, probably. I bet. Yeah, it sounds like he's having just like the time of his life. <laughs> so with all that set up, we're going to take a quick break here hear an ad from another show on the major casts network i shit i can't remember what the ad's gonna be but what, it'll be another show on the major cast network it's very good you should listen to it there's an ad we're gonna take a break yay don't skip it do you find yourself unable to watch television who has the time well luckily we do i'm liam senior i'm josh phillips we host a podcast where we watch old cancel tv for, for you, you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. Let's do it, Hoss. So the cliffhanger from before we went on the break was that uh, Joseph's not in a great place. No. And we're wondering, kind of, what, is, what do you think he does with all this power now that he's not in a... Now that you know all this stuff about him, now that you, he likes to, he wants to conquer territory, he wants to gain power for his home country, he believes in a centralized, completely powerful government. You know, I would say he probably abuses it wildly. Am I right? Not entirely, actually. So <gasps> one, interest, one interesting thing is that in 1778, Joseph pressures Prussia into a standoff over Bavaria. That's... Oh. This is, and Prussia's the one that is still ruled by Frederick the Great. Uh-huh. And Joseph, by this time, has ruined his relationship with Frederick. Well, not ruined, but they're significantly less friendly because it looked like at one point that uh, Frederick was going to die and Joseph got an army ready to take over a piece of territory that Prussia had stolen away from Austria, like, just in case he died, because if he died, oh, he'd just invade and claim it. Yeah, it's hard to do that quietly, too. You can't just be like, I'll uh -huh. just put this here just in case. It's more like, more like, yo, this dude's about to die. Let's go feast on the carcass. Just like a little 20,000 soldiers. No big deal. Just some change, you know. Just like toss them over there. Have them hang out yeah. on the border. We're fine. Unfortunately for him, Frederick recovered. Oh. Uh, and once he learned what Joseph had, was planning on doing, Frederick didn't trust him much after that. You know, I think that's a good move on Frederick's part. Yeah, and then in 1778, Joseph, like, forces Frederick to get into a whole standoff with him because the electorate of Bavaria... There's an electorate was, of Bavaria? There was. Oh, my God. Not anymore. God. This is 1778, remember? Oh, right. What happened? What follows is technically referred to as the war of bavarian succession oh jesus I didn't... yeah although it's not really a war it's more like the two countries prussia and austria moved troops into bavaria and did a whole standoff with some skirmishes oh. and then thousands of men died because of disease that sucks that's, I mean, that's my whole completely... that's my whole thought on that that sucks <laughs> it's, it's completely par for the course <laughs> for uh for one of these yeah that's is, that's like what do they have you know, in bavaria um beer it's not really clear oh you mean like just in general what do they have <laughs> just like why would you want bavaria? oh because land remember he wants to gain as much land as possible and maria Theresa, his mother is still co-regent with him and she's like hey stop 
and he doesn't because he technically has more legal authority than she does. And he, like, forces troops into this, and he's, like, he is ready to provoke an an out-and-out war about this until Catherine the Great over in Russia says that she'll give 50,000 soldiers to Prussia, not Austria, if they continue. And then he's like, all right, fine. Is this the Catherine the Great that has all the, like, really erotic furniture? Yeah, the one who, like, the rumor was that she had sex with a horse one time. Yeah. Although I don't think that actually happened. It didn't actually happen. But that was, like, a rumor that that was how she died. Okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, this is that one. This This is that one. Catherine the Great joining with Frederick the Great. The horse oppose fucker. a guy who was not known as the Great. Guess which one wins? The Great. Yeah, funny about that. That's beautiful. So, only when she does this does he back off. Like, fine, I guess Bavaria can remain an electorate and not part of the Holy Roman Empire. I guess. <sighs> and then he leaves. Ooh, and, like throws his toys down. And goes, I didn't want it anyway. Yeah, whatever. Then <laughs> 1780. 1780. His mom finally dies. Finally, that old bitch is out. Yeah, Maria. Well, she <laughs> she's she was old by this point. Maria Theresa finally dies, and finally Joseph is let loose. Finally, he's oh, allowed to no. do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh. He enacts so many reforms in terms of law, censorship, and administrative stuff. He writes over eleven thousand new laws for the country. And almost all of them are, like, really quickly written just to, like, solve a problem. Oh my god, that is just a terrible way to go about lawmaking. He makes the country more tolerant to religion, remember that. He makes German the compulsory language to learn. And actually, Joseph II, have you seen Amadeus? Yeah! So Joseph II is the ruler of Austria in that movie. Oh, he's the he's the one that like Mozart has to come to and be like, I want to write a German opera. And he's like, why don't we have a German opera? That sounds good. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's very he's uh, that guy. What a what a lovely patron of the arts. He, he was, was very a big unstable. patron of the arts. He liked music a lot. Um, he also thought that German should be the compulsory language as opposed to Latin because, yeah, that makes sense. Latin's so he made it. He abolishes serfdom. Which sounds really good, but didn't work out great, actually. Oh, I was going to say, what a cool dude. Yeah, he abolishes serfdom, and that's awesome. Um, he makes nobles have to pay serfs with money for, like, doing shit. Money's cool. We like money. But the problem was there wasn't, like, enough money in the areas oh. to actually pay things. Like, they didn't have currency. Most of the economy was, like, barter-based. Yeah. So they kind of just went, like, great, we can't use this. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So was it basically, like, did everyone still just basically have serfs? Kind of. I mean, it didn't change that much, and a lot of these reforms get uh, repealed later. So there's that, and kind of indicative of a lot of his reforms, they're, like, good ideas and and moral ones, but they weren't really thought through or uh, executed on. Plato. Yeah, he uh, also abolishes the death penalty. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That lasts for like 20 whole years, maybe. That's a lot of years. That's one peasant's whole life. Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He tends, so he, he tends to rush things without really preparing. He wants his people to be happy under his rule, Mm -hmm. but he's very clear that it has to be under his rule. Like he, 
he writes a lot of these new laws because he wants all the problems to like come to him and be solved by him but he's not respectful of like local customs he doesn't get to know what's actually happening in the regions that he's writing laws for no that's not ideal this particularly alienates the nobles in pretty much every part of the holy roman empire not just austria yeah that would that oh how is this gonna end so (laughs) that face (laughs) eric just made the most like resigned to his fate face in the world (laughs) just the late In the late 1780s, uh, at this point, Russia has been fighting with the Ottoman Empire for, like, 200 years on and off. Like, they kind of break out into war and then go back to just not liking each other. Mm -hmm. And then they keep on... And they keep on being hostile after this for another 200 years. I understand that. And in 1788, they go to full-on war with the Turks. After, just after, Russia signs a treaty with Austria. Oh, this means that because Russia goes into full on war with the Turks, the Holy Roman Empire has to lend its support. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's just such a Remember that thing about like Joseph making decisions that sounded good, but didn't actually work out well in practice. Yeah. Treaty with Russia. (laughs) Oh, no. Treaty with Russia. Why? (laughs) And immediately Catherine the Great goes like, great, fight my war for me. Oh my god, I I like Catherine the Great. Also, (laughs) Joseph sees this opportunity because Frederick is technically allied with the Turks. Uh Uh-huh. So Joseph sees a really good time to, like, one-up his rival. Go like, hey, I'm gonna beat your fucking idiot friends in a battle. His rival that he decided was his rival. Yeah, see how you like that, Fred. That's like... Okay, so Eric and I went to high school together. That's, like, how our high school decided that we had a rival, and I'm pretty sure our rival didn't know they were our rival. And we were like, but we're gonna crush you! Continue. So they go to the war, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't go so great. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good war for Austria. Doesn't doesn't work out so are good there, for that country. Are there good wars? I mean, there are wars where, like, you win and you gain territory and you're country is in a much better position afterwards even if a lot of people had to die for it so like by that definition in this time period there were good wars okay okay i can see that but but almost never is it i would say it's never worth the cost of the lives that had to buy it but you know yeah we're supposed to be quakers (laughs) yeah i'm i i think of myself as a pacifist so it's weird i don't like war yeah i'm not a huge fan either okay but it doesn't work out well for really stupid and and part of this is because thousands and thousands of men again die from disease not from fighting what diseases well this time we think that it was probably an outbreak of malaria Oh, they should have been having their quinine. <laughs> so they they dorks. like go right in and just immediately start dying. Like oh the hospitals God. are just like full of dead people Ew. because of that. And none of them are even from like the battles. Oh, I bet it smelled so bad. Yeah, not great. Not a good time. Sorry, I always so, think about the smell. And early on, Joseph 
has to retreat from the front line because he goes to the front because he's like Frederick, remember? Mm-hmm. He goes to the front line and has to retreat at one point because cause it's, like, it's a strategic withdrawal. He would have been surrounded if he hadn't. He has to take like 20,000 soldiers back. And during this time, there are rumors that an event occurred that they call the Battle of Karansibes. What does that mean? So I have to do a disclaimer here. There is no hard evidence that this battle ever took place. Okay. There, there is no actual proof that this actually happened, although the internet will definitely tell you that it for sure happened. Okay, what, what does the internet want me to think happened? The Imperial Army at this point was composed of a lot of different elements that spoke a lot of different languages. Like, it's not just Austria. They had lands all over Europe. They had people from all these different places because these were the Habsburg lands that they'd acquired through marriage and incest. Yeah, gross. So that means they could pull recruits from any of these places. So there was a lot of confusion and not great communication when they actually fought wars. They didn't didn't recognize each other all the time. Oh, no. The story goes that uh, there were hussars on one side of a river during the retreat. I believe the river was the River Timus. Mm-hmm. And on the other side was the infantry, the Imperial Army. They're both on the same side. Oh, no. Not of the river. They're they're fighting both for the Holy Roman Empire on the other side, on the two sides of the river. And supposedly the Hussars got drunk because they bought alcohol from a band of gypsies. Ooh, That's how fun. the story goes. That's a lot of alcohol. Yeah, it's also unlikely. Yeah. So... The story goes that they bought all this alcohol and the infantry saw them and were like, hey, give us some alcohol. Let us join the party. And the Hussars were like, no. <laughs> and the infantrymen tried to join them. It turned into a tussle. During the tussle, a shot was fired. Oh. Once people started hearing shots getting fired, more shots started getting fired. And on the other side of the river, people thought that it meant that the Turks were advancing on them. Oh, and- so people, t- so it turns from like a retreat to a panic. People just start running. One infantry corps fires artillery onto the oh other side of the river, God. onto their own troops. Oh, the whole group just leaves the area, and some accounts say that thousands of people die in this battle. So just like uh, the biggest clusterfuck. Yeah, other accounts say that about twelve hundred. Men were injured or killed in the fight, which sounds about, which sounds much more accurate. There are some accounts that were like, 10,000 men died, which is not true. Yeah, how, like, where would they find that? Yeah. Find that many men. The whole whole army was like 20,000. It's not gonna, that's, that didn't happen. Yeah, that's what a lot of, like, Crusades texts do, too. They were like, a million people died. And it's like, there weren't that many people in the world, dude. Yeah, it's, hmm. That, ten- mm. that tends to be how this historical thing goes. And then there's also the stuff that, like, it might just not have happened at all. Yeah. But the retreat did definitely become panicked. That is for sure a fact. While Joseph was with this army, he wasn't, like, involved in this exact thing. He had been also getting sick along with his men, and he returns to Vienna with his just his health ruined. Oh, no. The economy is being trashed during this like this they have to pay because he's trying to like treat prisoners fairly and like pay his army a living wage yeah that's expensive and, yeah it doesn't work out so well the economy <laughs> is trashed uh there are like riots over bread belgium revolts 
Because that Belgium revolts. Hob- I've never heard yeah. of Belgium doing anything. Yeah, apparently the Habsburgs had control of Belgium at this time. Okay. They revolt. Hungary almost revolts. They're like on the point of it at the time. Were they the war- hungry? The war also does nothing to help Austria. I have the worst shit-eating grin on my face <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, you said there were riots over bread. I had no, to that's... take it. Sure, fine. Did I? Okay, I'm sorry. the war does nothing to help austria and joseph dies in the middle of it oh how does does he die of smallpox no he dies probably of like malaria and a cocktail of other diseases Uh, he dies in 1790 after he comes back to vienna with his just health just trash just Mm -hmm. ruined not only are all the nobles in Austria turning on him, people are revolting in other parts of the of his domains. The war is going terribly. People don't like the reforms that he's put out. Yeah, liberal douche. And so before he dies, he requests that his epitaph reads, Here lies Joseph II, who failed in all he undertook. Oh my god! And that's what his epitaph reads to this day in the imperial crypt in Vienna. Oh my god, that poor bastard. <laughs> Can you imagine being so just disappointed with yourself on your deathbed mm-hmm. to say, like, mm-hmm. just make it say this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Oh my it's god. Insane. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, and that, that is so the happy. end of this story for Big Ten Whoopsies. That is the end of Joseph II and the story of how the Battle of Corensibus came to happen. Are Maybe. you trying to say something by choosing this story for me? What? <laughs> just trying to say I'm failing at all I undertake. Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I Absolutely knew it. Absolutely yes. That was my intent. Uh, everything's about me at all times. I was, I Every- was researching this story. And he's like, you know who else failed in all I undertake? <laughs> Carson. Oh, God. Well, you know, at least you're thinking of me. Yep. (laughs) She fails in all she undertakes, and also she'll be fucking grateful I thought of her. (laughs) It's true. I am grateful for any scrap of attention I can get. That's just how I work. You want to know why? Yes. It's because I'm a Leo. (laughs) Uh, Full circle. What are Leos supposed to be like? We're self-centered little bitches. That's it? We're also very loyal. Oh. Can you be loyal and self-centered? Surprisingly, yes. Okay, sure. I, yes, it's true. Whatever, man. I I, I vacillate between them. <laughs> you, you can be both, but only one at a time. I'm loyal to myself. Ah, that doesn't count. Okay. So at the end of every episode, after doing a long story of incompetence on a grand scale, I like to do a short story about competence in an absurd way. I'm calling these stories Pickles for the Knowing Ones. You should Google that. It's a fun time. Pickles! Google a pickle for the knowing ones. You will not be disappointed, I promise. Pickle for the knowing ones. So, we're going to talk about Jello today. Jello. <laughs> That was a long pause. <laughs> I know. I was just, I had to like get that Jell-O. set in my, just, oh. Je- Jell-O. The fuck you say? Jell-O? J- Jell-O? Just, 
just wrapping your mind around it. So, specifically, we're going to talk about gelatin. You know how you see a lot of, like, really gross recipes from, like, 60-plus years ago in American cookbooks of, like, desserts or whole meals or salads just encased in gelatin? Yes, Have you ever seen these? it's disgusting. It's, it's horrible, right? It's like these floating pieces of... it. You know what it looks like? It what? looks like in... Like, any futuristic movie with, like, the alien, like, floating in amniotic goo. Like, that's what those meals look like. And, like, they're, like, whole fruits or leaves or... or Sorry, I should say lettuce or something. Leaves! Because they, they put salads or desserts or whatever. And, like, no one knows, it seems, why this was so popular and such a thing. It's because but I know, Carson. Why? I know why. Tell me everything. Gelatin dates back hundreds of years, actually. It's not, it was not, like, invented by Jello, And I'm guessing you really? don't know how they made gelatin. Horse hooves. No, you do! Perfect. I do! Yeah. I... Okay. It's scary. So this dates back all the way to the 1700s. Oh. In Europe. Gross. And I'll... For those who don't know, Carson gave you a little teaser saying, uh horse hooves sorry but here's how they made gelatin back in 1747 <gasps> from an actual like recipe oh my god how take out the great bones of four calves feet and put the feet into a pot with 10 quarts of water three qu ounces of hard sugar a few other spices Boil this till it comes to two quarts and strain it through a flannel bag. Let it stand for 24 hours, then scrape all the fat from the top very clean, then slice it and put to it the whites of six eggs beaten to froth. Boil it a little and strain it again through a flannel bag, then run the jelly into little high glasses. Ew. So it takes days of intensive work to make this shit. Oh my god, and I bet it tasted like spicy horse goo. <laughs> Which is basically what it was. So if I wanted I mean, to make this at home, could I strain it through, like, a flannel shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Grunge gelatin. I, I doubt it. I doubt that would work, but you can make it at home. All you need are some bones. Oh, I've got a couple of those. From cows or pigs, not humans, Carson. Oh. Okay, that'll be harder to find, but I'll do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I could see. Yeah, my human bone collection is pretty easily accessible. But I mean, I'll I guess to... you could use it. It'd probably work just fine. Ew, can you imagine gelatin made of humans? <laughs> you could oh, do it. Oh, that's so gross. It would work with like, some little feet bones. Oh my god, that would be like if a... Got a nice femur if there a nice femur <laughs> if yeah, there was my nice femur a like 50s housewife serial killer oh yeah. my god she would she would make that she would make human jello carson you should write this story and then she would oh my god she would invite Dahmer and ed gein over and they'd <laughs> just have such a nice little gelatin tea party and Gein... I've never, I've never bought into the whole like all the serial killers know her kind, know people, know each other, not know her, know each other kind of stories. <laughs> yeah, they don't know her because like, she doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I, I would never buy that a serial killer just would like talk to other serial killers about their serial killing. Yeah, I think they'd all just they're so they're such strange people. They'd all like yeah. hate each other. Mm -hmm. So like, 
in hell right now. They're all probably just like sitting in a room together trying to avoid eye contact and like yeah. one of them's probably like secretly trying to kill other ones. Yeah, and the other one's like wildly jerking off in the corner and one of them's crying and like Yeah. There are some of them who are like outgoing and charming. You should listen to episode three of Big Time Whoopsies if you want to hear about that kind of serial killer. Yeah, those are um, kind of the only podcasts I usually listen to are serial killer ones. Episode three is about a serial killer and stars my sister Lily. (gasps) Which, which, uh, which serial killer? Uh, Rodney Alcala. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna, oh, I know what I'm doing. The episode title is Rodney Alcala, a successful photographer. How do we get from gelatin to murder? You started talking about a serial killing housewife. Okay. Fair. So, okay. So, obviously, this is not a quick process. This is not something that's easy to make. You have to boil something and then let it sit for, like, 24 hours. It takes days to make gelatin. Yes, you like... And it doesn't even make that much, like... I'm going to break my leg on Friday, so I need to start making the jello for my hospital stay, like, five days in advance. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> it's fucking, you can, like, flavor it with some, like, orange or something, and then you have, like, an easy-to-digest dessert, I guess. That sounds... But it's still just, like, you know what jello tastes like. You know, like, what you'll get, what you'd get from that. Yeah, I'll get a weird texture in my mouth and some fruit flavor. So... <laughs> This makes it a food for rich people. Ah, uh, yes. Only wealthy people have gelatin because, <laughs> because only wealthy people have cooks who are willing to do this for, like, two days just to make one dessert for their masters. Oh, my God. Like, that, And so it becomes a sign of social status, and that's why it started becoming popular in Europe. Oh. Because it, it was like, oh, look at all this gelatin I can make. Yeah, I can just do that. I have really good cooks who I pay, a bu- who I have, like, enough money to, like, buy all this stuff for. Yeah, I'll make you some fucking jello. What up? Yeah. I don't give a shit. Jello party. Jello every day. They'll, they'll do whatever I fucking tell them to. I got 16 hooves in the boiler right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you chose an even number. Yeah, because so it's, it's not like four. Yeah, so it's not like you're just, like, going in, like, taking one of the hooves and being like, I'll be back for you later, Bessie. <laughs> After that, eventually companies figure out how to mass produce this by, like, because it makes more sense for, like, a company to do this in a factory with all these hooves making a lot of it as opposed to, like, one cook boiling fucking, like, <laughs> four hooves for two days. Oh, my God. Like, it makes way more sense. And so Jell-O comes around in the early 20th century, and it's marketed as something that middle-class housewives, middle-class people can buy for 10 cents a box that rich people used to have. So it's a way to live the highlight for, like, no money at all. That's what, like, the entire 50s decade was about. Yeah, and so that's literally what this is. Like, Jello was just going like, hey, want to live like a rich person? Try this. And that's why everyone went like, fuck yeah, I'm going to finally have Jello. Oh my god, that's nuts. It's like, for the first time in my life, I'm getting to taste this sweet, sweet delicacy that is Jello. Gonna see how the other half lives. Oh my god. Finally. And so that's why it became so popular. And then 20 years later, people went like, hey, Jello sucks. (laughs) Stop putting things in it. Like, let's stop eating this gross hoof trash. Gross hoof trash. And it's all thanks 
to European nobles who made their cooks do ridiculous amounts of labor just for one stupid dessert. Oh my god. That's beautiful. I don't know if beautiful is the right adjective. But I feel like it's beautiful. Okay. Thanks for being on my podcast, Carson. Thanks for letting me be on your podcast. It was super fun. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) All right. I'm excited to listen to it. This is so cool. So I'm assuming you have something to plug, either internet-based or otherwise. I do have something to plug. Um, My wonderful mother, my mother, um, (laughs) her debut memoir was published on September 5th. It's called I'm the One Who Got Away, and it's by Andrea Jarrell. It's available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. And if you want, you can also follow me on Twitter at doll bunyan d-o-l-l-b-u-n-y-a-n yeah my mom my uh dad finished your mom's book actually he said i good. i read that book in a night and i cried three times i have i have not read it yet i think my mom's next in line to read it so i won't even be able to it's really good i will issue um a trigger warning for any of your listeners there mm-hmm. is uh, substance abuse, sexual abuse, and like rape and stuff in there. So, if you are not a fan, and if that's something that would trigger you, I would suggest not reading it. But it is a beautiful and heartbreaking book. Yep, I have heard good things about it. People are not just not just my parents, but also professional people are also saying good things about it. Yeah, it um. It has a Kirkus starred review. It's, um, oh God, it's been on so many like books to read this fall lists along with authors like Amy Tan, Hillary Clinton, and Salman Rushdie. Hmm. So my mom's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Eric McAdams. You can find me on Twitter at AudaciouslyYours. You can find my personal website at NoCharacterIsSafe.com. You can find my other podcast that I do on the Major Cast Network, which is the Shmanime Podcast, which we talked about earlier, and I bet sounded just great to you. (laughs) And that's all my plugs for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cute little giggle when I said the thing about Shmanime. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.